Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you, get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and thank you for stopping by another episode of the podcast. I'm super excited to tell you that today's guest is Kyle Gordon, the founder of Dilla's Quesadillas. Yes, that's right. A quesadilla-only restaurant here in Dallas, Texas. Wow. I love quesadillas, and this episode was awesome. We talked about entrepreneurship, we talked about quesadillas a lot, and we talked about how Dilla's and Kyle are giving back to the community to make sure that they are the community restaurant, not just a restaurant in the community. Very powerful stuff. I know you're going to enjoy it. Did want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. Owner and operator of Snuffy is Nick Silvestri. So he designed the Detox Podcast logos. If you like it, you want to go check it out, snuffy.co. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. If you want to know more about Empire Toys or Snuffy, I had Matt Halk with Empire Toys and Nick Silvestri with Snuffy on previous episodes of the podcast. You can go check it out. Now, if this is your first time coming to the Detox Podcast, welcome. We hope this this episode allows you to just kick back, relax, and detox from your life for just 45, 50, 60 minutes. And if you have come back to the podcast, welcome back. Thank you so much, and I hope you are able to relax for the next little bit. Now, if you like the episode, you like the show, make sure and subscribe, download, rate, review, share with a friend. It really helps small podcasts like this one out. So I appreciate it and kick back, relax. My episode with Kyle will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast, After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today.
Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Kyle Gordon. Kyle, how are you doing today? Fantastic. I am so excited to talk about food specifically and all things cheese, bread, hot, lots of words we're going to talk about here. And I am really excited to get into the origins of the business and talk about how you started Dillas, 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 you got it, Dillas, 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 and how it's grown over time. But I want to start, I want to, before we even dive into that here at the Detox Podcast, we want folks to detox from the world for just a few, few short minutes or an hour or whatever you want, however many episodes you listen to and kind of get a new perspective. So I, I do like to tee up a question at the start and ask my guests, Kyle, what are you currently detoxing from? I'm detoxing from social media. Hmm. So I, um, I don't know, man, I turned off Facebook, like, I don't know how long it's been. Honestly, I just stopped checking it. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's made a, made me a happier person, you know, um, like a little bit more, uh, calm and peaceful. And I've, uh, used that time instead to just jump into like audible books. Yeah. I like it. I love audible books. You know, I think that's, that's a pretty consistent thing I've heard specifically as related to probably the towards the end of last year and then carried on through this year is folks saying, I'm just taking a break from social media. I'm kind of putting a pause on it or just detoxing from it and really using that time, like you said, to either learn something new, reflect on something that they wanted to reflect on, dive deeper into a new venture or something, or just a new hobby. And it's made folks a lot happier across the board. And I think, I think social media has its place for sure, but I think we have gotten to a point in society where it's easy to get sucked into the, the infinite scroll. Right. Right. And, and then we just realize, like, wow, I just spent, I spent a lot of time and I didn't really invest in me and, and improve upon myself in any way. And, and that can yeah. be daunting. So I think it's helpful to take a step back, put a pause, take a break, detox, whatever you want to call it. I think it's healthy for sure. Totally. Well, Kyle, I want to know how did you decide? So as I recall, you got the idea to start Dill- Dilla's in college. Yeah. So let's talk through some of the origins of you creating the business and what some of those early, early thoughts were for you. Cause now I understand you wrote a, you came up with a business plan and everything while you're going. So you went to UT, is that correct? Or yeah, yeah UT, yep. yeah, UT okay. Austin. Um, well the origins I guess are pretty simple. Um, my business plan was not impressive. It was like literally <laughs> a half page. I mean, we're not talking like, I didn't have like a pro forma or an Excel spreadsheet right. even, you know what I mean? This was yeah. like one pager. Um, but, you know, I, I looked around at the time and I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort, right? My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, I knew the freedom that it cr- could create for yourself, you know, um, long term and allow you a lot of um, time freedom, which I appreciate. Right. And I was like, you know, what, what am I going to do? Because I wasn't a good student. You know, I think my GPA when I graduated was like two five, two six. I don't know. I barely got in. I had to sure. transfer in from UTSA. Um, so I started at UT Austin as a sophomore 
Um, and then I stayed there for another four years. So like, I mean, I milked the college process <laughs> as long as I could, um, which I think is a good lesson because if you don't know what you want to do, you should stay in college, you know, yeah. and continue to get what you need out of it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I was looking around at the food landscape and there was this place that had just come out at the time in Austin called Chipotle. Yep. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow, this fast casual thing, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be something. And I worked at a pizza place and, you know, I saw what food could do for community. My parents took me to this place called El Rancho, which was the kind of um, me falling in love with quesadillas. Mm -hmm. um, and it just became a staple of my diet. Right. And so they met their friends there every Wednesday. And I'm talking every Wednesday. We're talking 51 weeks a year. We went to El Rancho, you know, <laughs> on Wednesday. So we went a lot. Um, yeah. But like I got to know the waiter and he would, you know, hey, here's how you do that. You know, he'd make, let me make whatever I wanted. So that's kind of where some of the creativity came in. And so this is probably 2004 or something like that. I'm like, man, they, there should be a place like this that's just quesadillas. Yeah. Because I, I love quesadillas. It lends itself perfectly to this kind of fast casual movement. Um, and that really was kind of the genesis of it, you know. And then one night we're... Uh, you know, trying to come up with names because my roommates knew about it. And, you know, my girlfriend and future wife, Maggie, um, would help me with it. And we drove to Ikea once because Ikea used to only be in Houston and Texas. And yep. so we drove down there to get some clackbow chairs, and, you know, coming up with like uh, different quesadillas along the way. And um, Napoleon Dynamite was on TV because we didn't have a name for this restaurant. And, you know, he's like, what am I going to eat? And she's like, damn it, Napoleon, make yourself a dang quesadilla. <laughs> and so ever since then, it's been Dilla's for right. our little uh, gringo quesadilla concept. Um, <laughs> it was going to be kind of uh, how Napoleon's uh, grandma would say it, which is sure. Dilla's. It's so yeah. funny because because down here in Texas, I mean, how many, oh man, there's so many people I know that just say quesadilla. Get yourself a yeah. quesadilla, right? Just <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. That's how we say it. And I mean, like, I loved it. Like, I loved that it was slang for us because me yeah. and my roommates, like, we would call them Dillas, you know, and like we would make Dillas at least once a week at the house, you know, and like because literally tortillas and cheese. I mean, you can usually find that in the pantry. You yeah. Know? And so we would stick whatever in between the tortillas and cheese that we could, whether it was Cheetos or leftovers or whatever. And I mean, you had yourself a Dilla, you know, like, and so that's kind of the genesis of it all. You know, it's so funny that so speaking, you know, as a as a dad of two young kids, a case a quesadilla or a quesadilla is yeah. a staple. I mean, it's something that I do make at least once a week, and it's it's something that it is. We've always got tortillas, we've always got shredded cheese. I mean, and then you can yeah. kind of leave it as is or add to it. And I, yeah. my when my daughter was little, I I said I said quesadilla, and she didn't she didn't trust that she didn't conceptually understand what I was saying. So I yeah. called it, but she understood tortilla and she understood pizza. So I called it a tortilla pizza. And so that's okay. what, that's what we used to call it for the longest time. And then they went to, we went to Tex-Mex place and they tried to order a, a, a tortilla pizza. And the waitress was like, I don't, um, I was like, Oh, two quesadillas. And then my <laughs> daughter looked at me like, you've lied to me. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's a whole backstory. Change the language on you. <laughs> right? Don't worry. <laughs> but that's it, awesome yeah but, but yeah it, and i mean yeah. like you can adult them up too yeah you know like it, you know like for you and the wife it's like all right let's throw some pico in this bad boy and all of a sudden yes. it's something that's for me not just for the kids so it's very flexible i mean 
I love quesadilla. I mean, not, I'm not just saying that. Right. <laughs> no, it's so good. I enjoy making it out of leftovers. Like, like you, you said, I mean, there was, there was, um, we got, you know, as an example to what you were saying, we got barbecue a couple of weeks ago and we had leftover brisket, but not enough oh, for yeah. everyone to have a plate. So I got the tortilla, got the cheese, put the brisket on a little bit of the barbecue sauce. You heat it up. Boom. Now you've got your brisket quesadilla. And Thank then I've that. done it for breakfast. You know, you get the bacon and the egg oh. and the cheese. I mean, all this kinds of stuff. And so we'll have like ground turkey leftover from tacos. I'll throw some of that in or whatever. And you yeah. really can have multiple different meals to be able to build it out. Now I'm interested in, in the thought process behind, you know, you mentioned Chipotle. And so that, that brought up a thought of the thing about Chipotle. And then uh, later on you had like Kidoba and Freebirds and these other similar places um, yeah. that were primarily, well, Kidoba is a little bit different, but with Freebirds and, and Chipotle, mainly doing burritos with some other things. So what was the thought process from your perspective of like, no, we're only going to do quesadillas. We're not going to do, um, at least in the initial thought process, we're not going to do like also burritos or also this or also that. We're just like, this is our one thing. What was the, 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 what brought you to that decision versus like a Chipotle? I don't know. You know, like I knew that we wanted to be very focused, right? Mm -hmm. And that we wanted to do just quesadillas. Now, the vision for Dilla's didn't really refine itself until after I had gotten my 10,000 hours in the real world, okay. right? And so I went to work for a place called Raising Canes straight oh, out of um, college. So like Maggie's uncle knew somebody at Raising Canes, got me an interview. And I mean, like just after graduation and it's in their locations were in Dallas. And so I was like, you know, I really want to do this Dilla's thing. And um, I talked to her uncle about it and he, you know, he had some money to invest at the time. And I'm like, Hey, how about this case via place? And he's like, get a job. Uh, and so like, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll figure that out. And uh, so I went into the business and you got to get into it to see if you got ketchup in your veins, you know, is what they say, you know? So it's like, you're either going to love it and you're going to, you'll be in the restaurant business for the rest of your life or you're going to be out of it within six months. Right. Yeah. And I, I just loved it. You know, I love getting greasy. I love the people side of it. I love, you know, the challenges associated with it and all of that. But all that to say, I knew and I learned that execution was and consistency was paramount for restaurant success. And so that really helped me focus on we're not going to trick this up. Like it's going to be called Dilla's. We're going to be known for the best in the world at quesadillas. Like, but like that's just it, you know, and just specialize and be great at that. Yeah. And, uh, and then if something else comes along down the road and we need to add and, and surround it with different things, we will, we'll listen to our customer. We'll adapt and change and continue to move forward. So that's kind of how it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it makes a lot of sense to, to want to be the best in something and to, to focus on that. I think there's so, there's so many good business ventures, whether it's a restaurant or a bar or something focused on, you know, beverages, maybe not necessarily alcoholic. And there's a, there's a lot of new, interesting businesses and ventures that I see here and there. And then, then I don't, I don't often see them continue to succeed. Sure. And, and I think sometimes though, I'm, 
pure speculation. I feel that sometimes it's it's a risk of wanting to do too much too fast. So I, I had someone give me a piece of advice that talked about if you're focusing on something, you can go wide and narrow, or no, uh, shallow, wide and shallow, or narrow and deep. And yeah. it was like, if you want to be successful, you need to go narrow and deep on, like, figure out what it is you want to do, and then just drill down all the way as far as you can go, so you are the best in that thing. And right. and that's true. I think for your perspective, you said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on it, and we're going to refine it, and we're going to be the best at it. And yeah. God, in Texas, opening a Tex-Mex place that's fast casual, that's about <laughs> quesadillas, that's like that's one of those ideas that seems like what oh yeah this is a great idea like sure. the more you sit with it I we had um will will uh, CEO of Alto on a couple years ago and he talked about you know you've got a good idea when people first hear it and go what wait hmm actually <laughs> he's like you want them yeah, to like work. start to balk because they've never heard of it and then sit with right. it and go oh wait a minute this is this is a good idea. Now sure. I'm interested. And he said, yeah. if they keep balking, that's not a good sign for you. But <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I think that one word stuck out to me that you just said, and that was refinement. Yeah. Right? And speed, for the sake of speed, like I'm listening to something right now where it's like um, growing something that's not good is this growth kind of for growth's sake. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you want to grow something that is, um, successful and and as fast or slow as that it's continues to be successful and if we would have opened let's say three units within the first year well we would have tripled our failure right yes. and and the reason that we would have is because starting from think something from scratch we opened with a chicken salad quesadilla called the chickadilla which was a complete like dumpster fire, like don't ever do that. Like whatever you do, don't ever put a chicken salad quesadilla on your menu. I'll tell you that's not gonna work. Um, we didn't have chips. We only had French fries. We only had uh, two sides. Uh, we did we did a praline that was kind of a you know like a train wreck. Also, like so then we did a customer survey. They're like, you need queso. You need mm. chips. We're not coming unless you have these things. Like. And we added like everything kind of around like the support structure yeah. and like yeah. we built it with our customer, you know, and I think that that's what made it so successful, you know, and then yes. we said three, this was, dude, this was three years after we opened, wow. we, we had the menu done. Wow. And then we opened our second restaurant, right? Like, and like, that's when we started to just tiptoe into scale after three years of what you said, refinement. I heard an interview with the creators of Instagram on how I built this on NPR and they talked about iterating on Instagram and they said, you know, they say a lot of people say, ask people like, what would make them come use your product? And he said, we took a different approach. We didn't ask people why they weren't using our product. We could care less why they weren't using it. We asked people who were using it, what would make it better for them? And sure. then we continued to build off of that. So to your point, you had people that were coming that seemed interested. And then for whatever reason, they may have not stuck around. It's like, well, why not? Well, you don't have chips. You don't have queso. We want this. We want that. But we still like it and we want to come. So just get get those other things and we'll, we'll come every Wednesday night, right? Or yeah. every Friday night or whatever. And then you did that and they came. If you build it, they will come. They did. Yeah. And then you built the second location. Um, right. I am curious though. So timeline... 
time box this for me. The the three years before you open the second location, what is the time? Is this 2012? We, yeah. So we opened basically 2000, late 2013. Okay. Yeah. So um, right before Ice Mageddon, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. total disaster opening. You know what I mean? Like it was just, I mean, we hit a, we put a nail through the, um, uh, a sewer pipe, a sewer oh, no. uh, riser in one of the walls. So it smelled like crap when you walked in. Like, oh. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, like, this was rough. And so, um, I mean, it was uh, those three years. I, I remember reading something at, at the time that really helped me get through it. And it was like every startup is like that. You got one year of just trying to figure it out. You got a second year of building your customer base. And then finally, in the third year, you start to see some traction. You start to move forward. You start to see some positive cash. Like it just takes time to get the momentum going. It's like, and I, whenever I talk to like high schools or people about the, the, the formation, the creation of something brand new, a business, it's like shoveling hundreds into a, a like a steam locomotives, like firebox. Yeah. Like you just are keep shoveling hundreds into there and you just, <laughs> you just wait and wait and wait. And eventually the fire gets hot enough to get the wheels moving just slightly and you just keep feeding the beast. Um, and you just got to have faith that it will move forward out of the station and that will things will get better, easier, more efficient, pop, 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 as you go, you know, like iPhone one, you know right. what I mean? It's a completely different product, you know, like you just got to kind of build it along the way yeah. Um, because it will never be right at launch. And so, I, I mean, totally did that with Dilla's. Yeah. You got to have yeah. that pace over perfection, you know, and yeah. just kind of test and learn a bunch of different stuff as you're going. I asked about the time frame because I know, like, I've got a friend, um, and there's many other people like this who have their own um, food trucks, right? So I'm curious as what was the the reasoning. So did you have, I guess I would say, a, a thought process of brick and mortar versus food truck? And if yeah. so, what was your thought process like that got you to the brick and mortar location? Sure. So it was my experience, you know? Mm. And so I was at Raising Cane's and I was there for, I wasn't there like for like six months. I was there for seven years. Wow. You know what I mean? So by the time I left Raising Cane's, I was a restaurant expert. Sure. I was a managing certified managing training partner, which is there was three out of 103 restaurants. There were three of us. Right. Gotcha. And so we were like a pretty elite group. And so when I wanted to leave, I was like, okay, it's finally time for this. You know, I'm kind of reached my limit. They're asking me to, you know, move. They're asking me to maybe go multi-unit, you know, and become a dish manager. I, I'm, I'm committing to either go down the Dillas road or go like full on corporate dude and yeah. like make great money, but totally different path. And so that point, that fork in the road, I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to leaving. And in the same parking lot of the chicken finger place that I was at, was this old beat down Jack in the box, mm. right? And I was doing great sales. I had a great community that I'd built around myself. I had lots of connections. And so I said, well, crap, like it was a five-year sublease. So I was like, if I totally crapped the bed, like, I mean, I'll, five years, it'll be over either way. Right. I'll have lost everybody's money. <laughs> I've totally messed it up, uh, but it'll be over, right? Yeah. And so that's what I did. I moved I moved about seven parking spaces to the north at Park and Midway and uh, opened that first Dilla's. 
And like, that's where it got started. But I had like a base, you know what I mean? Like I knew that I could create some level of momentum. I knew that I knew that I could run a drive-thru. I'd been running a drive-thru for seven years. Sure. You know, um, I knew that the people in that area wanted a convenient drive-thru option, you know? So like there were these things, you know, that kind of helped me do that. Um, I had enough capital, you know, like I had more, uh, I wouldn't say a ton of capital, but you know, more than just $50,000, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I had two, $300,000 to be able to get this venture off the ground, which, you know, I felt pretty confident could get me through to sustainability, you know, where I, yeah. I think that it's a little bit more grassroots. Let's test this, you know, with a food truck. Um, that I, I guess I just either had more confidence or just slightly more capital to execute my business plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting to me the the decisions going into one versus the other and i think there's there's very specific and intentional reasons for those decisions and so i was curious about that but you've got what four locations now is that yeah. correct or okay. the fourth is opening in uh denton in okay. may um and then we've also got three i've got a joint venture partner who is my district manager at canes um he stayed on for a couple more years and then he was like I'm out of here. And then he did something else. And he was like, Hey man, like I got to get back in the restaurant business. You started Dilla's like, sell me, sell me some in Louisiana. I'll go do it out there and we'll be partners. And so he's just been, they've been crushing it in uh, Shreveport That's and they've awesome. got, they're opening their third restaurant uh, next month. So we'll have seven within four weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. congratulations for sure. Thanks. Um, with the recipes, so let's let's dig into some of the that fun goodness. So, yes, I, what has been? Oh, I just there's so many good recipes. I was going through, and the one that stuck out to me that I was super excited about was the oh, it's the buffalo chicken one. I don't remember what oh, it, yes. what the name is. Buffalo oh, bacon. Yes, that one. So I I'm a huge fan of when I make mine from leftover stuff. I love to get the cheese and I put Frank's hot sauce in there. I get some mm. chopped up chicken or brisket. And some bacon and just all the goodness. And my mouth's watering right now. I just had yes. dinner and I'm so, like, I, I'm hungry right now. But what has, how do you come up with the recipes? Is it a joint effort? Is it just you? Did it start out just you? And how do you continue to think of new ones? Yeah. And so I think that with that, we I knew from the beginning that I wanted to be an American take on a Mexican favorite. Sure. It's, it's, that's kind of our tagline, right? And so, in my book of recipes that Maggie and I wrote on the way to Ikea, you know, shoot, this is like 2004, right? Right. Um, was like a Philly Dilla. Um, was like a, a hamburger Dilla. You know what I mean? We didn't know the names were for them, yeah. but we knew like that we wanted to create a menu of like American favorites, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, how do we turn that, how do we turn that flavor into a quesadilla, Right. And so that's kind of where you get the genesis of a lot of these things, you know, um, that's where the Gordo comes in. It's got, it's got French fries and Pico and bacon and ground beef, you know, so you get that kind of hamburger vibe, you know, yeah. like, so all that stuff, we just started creating, you know, and really in the very, very beginning, it was Maggie and I, and Maggie's a, my wife is just a fantastic chef or cook, you know, right. she's not like trained. Um, but her family's been into in the food business, you know, she loves to cook. Um, my family loved to cook and get together. So like 
we kind of knew for the most part what we were trying to accomplish. Um, we had some things that we were trying to emulate. Like we had some things that were like, wow, this, this piece of chicken tastes really fantastic. Why? What are they doing here? You know? And so we looked at it and tried to like deconstruct and be like, okay, like if we want to have a level of like heat, we need to bring adobo into how we're going to do this. And so we ended up marinating the chicken in adobo and then finishing it with this, um, with this, um, we call it Dilla's juice. Um, but like, it, it's kind of like a, a vinegar soy, you know, mix, you know, but you finish the chicken with it and it glazes it, you know? And so yeah. like, you've got this piece of chicken, like that's the key, the chicken, it has to be complex in itself yeah. to be excellent. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, so like, and then we do all the sauces. Like we had a guy that we hired really early on um, that did like a year of culinary and we had only made like, like a gallon or something like that of jalapeno ranch. Right. We didn't know how to batch it up. And there's a formula for batching things up. And I was like, Oh my God, I was just thinking, uh, if I want to make double two pounds of jalapenos, right. yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. And and there's this like crazy formula that like chefs and sauce people know. And I'm like, okay. So he like, he helped us with a lot of that stuff in terms of like, okay, if we want to make five gallons of this, this is what we need to do. This is how much of the product that we need. Um, and then you start thinking like backing into what can I get from like Cisco? And they yeah. sell a 30 pound thing of mayonnaise, right? They don't sell 22 pounds of mayonnaise. And so you're like, okay, how do I make a 30 pound batch of this? You know, like, right. so like, that's kind of how it all comes together, you know? And like, you want to use, you don't want to have waste because waste in restaurant is irresponsible. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. not doing the world a favor by wasting food. So you want to use stuff and other stuff, you know, to repurpose it. You know yeah. what I mean? So like being able to like, you don't want to ever have one thing for one product, you know, because then that will lead to waste. And right. then you just like, you're, it's like, wow, like I'm throwing away this beautiful piece of smoked pork for, for no reason. You know what I mean? Like yep. there's so much waste. Um, and so you really got to refine it down and, and just figure out a way to try to use everything as much as you can um, and keep it fresh. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about the different ways in which you repurpose stuff, right? Because I think we we do that a lot without realizing it, or we should be doing that sure. with, with our resources and with what we have and specifically our food. And so to, to hear about the 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 what goes on in the background of restaurants, of repurposing ingredients and batching up, thinking about the formula, that's that's a fascinating aspect that like no one has ever laid out for me that I've listened to. Yeah. And it's also interesting. You bring up your, you have a good point about the restaurant industry because I waited tables in college at an Italian restaurant and loved it. But I tried working at a chicken express with my buddy who is a manager and I hated it. And it was, <laughs> inter it was just to totally different things that I learned about myself with chicken express. I did. I was in the back. I was trying to make stuff. I didn't like it. I found out how yeah. coleslaw was made. I did not like that. Um, okay. that is a memory that still haunts me to this day. <laughs> um, but with the, with the waiting tables, I was out there front of house and I was talking yes. to people and bringing them food and making their day loved that. And yes. so that I think you find out to your point about, you got to figure out if, if it's for you, the business as a whole, the logistics of it, the people aspect, the whole shebang. And yeah. I think it's awesome. I want to go back to food for one second. I got to know yeah. what is your, 
what is probably your one or one of your favorite recipes to either oh. make or eat? Oh my God. The hot, the hot hatch is my favorite Dilla Ooh. for sure. Nice. Um, and sometimes I'll get brisket on it. A lot of the times I'll queso, like I'll, I'll do a queso drizzle on my Dillas <laughs> almost every time. Um, because it's just like, a, it's a, it's a menu hack. That's just, Oh my God. It like do it. increases the heat of the Dilla. Like it makes it more, you know, it just brings it all together. Um, so I'll always add queso drizzle to my Dilla. And then the jalapeno ranch is just fantastic. Like I think one of the, the, I don't know if it's why customers come back and, or maybe if they can't pinpoint something, they're like, man, I could just make quesadillas by myself at the house, like for cheaper. You know what I mean? Like, sure. well, maybe, but I think the reason that that guy or gal comes back that they can't quite connect in their head is our sauces. Yeah. Because the sauces are homemade and you just can't replicate, like you can't make a batch of jalapeno ranch at your house. Like yeah. you would have to buy, it just wouldn't make sense financially. Yeah. It'd, it'd yeah. be like a $35 gallon of jalapeno ranch. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what am I doing? This yeah. yeah. um, but it, it brings it all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's something that you can't do at the house, you know? And so like, I think that that's a, a big piece of it, but the jalapeno ranch, hot hatch, dude, boom, you're, you're good. I am so hungry right now. It's not <laughs> even funny. Um, you know, we were talking a lot about not wanting to be wasteful and be irresponsible. And I want to talk about the community outreach that y'all have done with Minnie's Meals. So if mm -hmm. you can talk to me about the importance of giving back to the community and how specifically you give back to the community through Minnie's Meals. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, early on, you know, I knew that we wanted to be the community restaurant, not just the restaurant in the community, yeah. right? That's a really big deal for us. And so we were going to figure out a way to be a part of the community. And early on, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money to give necessarily. It was all about building the restaurant up and it was all about trying to find a profit and really just, I mean, I didn't take a salary for two years, you know what I mean? So I yeah. didn't really have a whole lot of meat on the bone to give. And so what we focused on was um, using all of our budget on the local high schools that were around us. And so we went really deep on the education vertical, kind of going back to your point. And, and so we we're like, okay, we're going to do whatever we can do in like active lifestyles, whatever we can do in education. And then eventually we got a little bit more mature and we we're like, you know what, we're not giving back enough. We're not giving back enough to a really key vertical uh, in our community, a really key pillar, and uh, that's feeding the hungry. And so Minis, we volunteered at Minis, and I, I think I had like $2,000 in the bank. And Cheryl Action Jackson, um, this was when they were tiny, right? Yeah. And they were over on like Parker Road, and we volunteered there with our small team, our new restaurant opening team for Dillas Number 1. And she was so compelling and so passionate about the cause and about, you know, what the face of hunger looks like in modern society in Dallas, that I, I wrote her a check for $300, yeah. right? Like that day. And I bought these three candles. They were $100 each. And I was like, I don't have that money, but like, I, there's just no saying no to like this, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so over time, we're like, man, like, how can we work together? How can we do something? 
And so we launched this Minis Meal Program, which is if you you can buy basically a meal for thirty cents, right? It, which is insane to me. Um, and then we just we match it, right? So if somebody donates thirty cents of the uh, adds it to their ticket, um, then we donate, we match that, and we we buy two meals with thirty cents. Um, so it's a great connection with our community. Um, it was much more uh, popular pre-COVID because sure. we had such a, a bigger diner dining yeah. base. Yeah. And so what we've done since then is we're like, you know what, like they still need help, right? And so we have we've been been really successful this past year, and we've done two of them, I think, so far. Um, but we do a, a, a give back day for minis, and we might partner with somebody else in the future. I don't know. But we take all the sales for the company um, and we all day, all the time, one day fundraiser, and we give them 15% of all of that. Wow. And this year, this past, uh, this maybe like three weeks ago, it was $5,000. Wow. You know, and $5,000 yeah. times three, 15,000 meals, like 15,000 meals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like, think about that. Line up 15,000 people and the support from our team and customers enabled them to have a meal that day. You That's know what awesome. I mean? And so yeah. like, I think that that has just been, it's, it's just, I don't know, like, you know how like you wake up and you want to go help people, you know, where you work. Yeah. Um, that's what I love doing, right? I love relationships. You know what I mean? The food, is, I, I don't flip quesadillas anymore. I don't drop fries in the fryer. Like, you know, I, I did that for a long time and I love it and I can still get back there and mix it up with the team. Um, but what really connects me to the business is like thinking about like opportunities to get back an opportunity to develop somebody to move up, make their life better, um, continue to develop and improve the, the managers that are that are with us and, and give them a career. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of stuff that like continues to like when I wake up, I know that I have a purpose to deliver kind of I'm obligated to them in my community to keep this thing going because the bigger it gets, the, the more I can get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that. That is so powerful to be the restaurant in the community. It's fantastic. Well, as we're starting to wrap up this part of the yeah. show, is there one thing that you want folks to know about Dilla's that we've not covered yet? I don't think so. I mean, we're a mom and pop, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like it, it's, it's, we've done it from the ground up. You know, I think that it's easy to drive by Dilla's and be like, oh, where'd they come from? Like, it's some no name, like from, <laughs> you know, California or something like yeah. that. Like, but it's not like we, you know, Maggie's from here, born and raised here. I'm from Austin. Like we're like doing this for the community. You know what I yep. mean? And like, yes. we want to have like fantastic experiences and like help the communities and elevate them that we do business in. And so like, I think that's a big piece of it is that like the support that we get matters yes. and it doesn't just matter for us and my family. It matters for the community the kids that we train in the restaurants, the managers that manage those places. We've got 140 employees and those people live here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and like we're supporting that. And so like, I think that that's like a, a really big piece of it that gets overlooked sometimes um, when it's just like, they forgot my sauce, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I think there's this, like global structure that's like, you know, they're going to send <laughs> yeah. an email and like an overlord is going to come down and respond to it. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. not, it's like me in some random office in, in Dallas, Texas, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, I, I wish more people knew that or thought like about it. it. I like yeah. it. 
All right, well, we are going on to the next part of the show, which is things to check out. So it is a segment where I provide one thing that I'm reading and one thing that I'm listening to as a recommendation for the listeners. I ask my guests to do the same. I will go first. So who am I listening to and who am I reading to who I'm reading? Uh, Scott Jeffrey Miller, he was on the show previously, and he was specifically on to talk about his book, Marketing Mess to Brand Success. So I thought it was very timely when we're talking about building a brand and wanting to have a brand that is around for generations upon generations. You should definitely go check his book out. They are great lessons that you can read quickly in a break, in between meetings, whatever you want, and will stick with you and empower you to continue to build a better brand. So that's what I'm currently rereading. And then who I'm listening to, well, I only felt it appropriate, how I built this on NPR. I do love that podcast. It's great talking about all the great entrepreneurial ventures. As I mentioned before, the Instagram guys are one of the earlier episodes, but truly you can find great lessons and advice from anybody that's on there. Dave from Dave's Killer Bread was on there. That episode was powerful. Lots of great people on there. Definitely go check it out. So Kyle, who are you reading and who are you listening to? I love to listen to books. Um, I can't recommend The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday um, enough. I, I love Ryan Holiday. Like there's, I've just listened to like his every book that he has. Um, they're, they're quick, easy, modern stoicism books. And it's like, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a really good listen. Um, I am also reading, uh, Keith Cunningham. He's got a business blueprint book. Um, but it, I was led to it um, by listening to his book called the road less stupid, um, <laughs> which is a really, it's a really deep dive into like business and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I'm just kind of a business and like success geek. Right. And yeah. so, um, I just like listening to stuff like that personal, like you would find me if I was in like a Barnes and Noble, like drinking a latte and like the, per like the, uh, business or like the self-help area. <laughs> I love like the self-help like stuff, you know, I'm just that, that, that type of guy. And, um, yeah, so those are really good. I like it. All right. Well, we are going on to the final part of the show. It's the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. If I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests. So it works out for me. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Kyle, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I might have one. Let me think of one. Okay. Well, I got yes, some food themed jokes for you. I, only, I felt it only appropriate. So, Kyle, uh, how do you make an apple turnover? I don't know. You push it downhill. Just... Hey-oh! <laughs> um, what do you call cold Tex-Mex? Mm, I don't know. A burrito. A, A burrito. Bur okay. <laughs> All right, last one, last one. What did one blueberry say to the other blueberry? I don't know. Well, if you weren't so sweet, we wouldn't be in this jam. Got you it. Went... All right, all right, all right. Those are, those are solid, man. <laughs> Those are solid. They're good. I don't I don't have any that are as good as that, so I'm not gonna offer right. any to the table. Fair enough. Well, Kyle, if people want to follow you and Dilla's and see what y'all are up to, what's the best way for them to do that? At Dilla's quesadillas, um, all one word after the at. Um and uh that would be like Facebook, Instagram. Um I'm a little bit more active on Instagram, like personally, like if I go post something for Dilla's, um, you know, that's not like a food shot or something like 
I usually just post it on Instagram. Like the people who help me like with social media and stuff like hate me for that because I just, <laughs> I, just I just forget to post it on Facebook. Um, but I, I'm more active on uh, Instagram in terms of that stuff. Um, Dillas.com. Um, you know, if anybody knows somebody in Denton, um, we're hiring uh, actively. So apply.dillas.com is another big one because uh, we're, we're looking for some awesome people to help fill out our team up there um, at the new Denton opening that opens in late May 2021. So, yeah, man, we're just excited. It's growth time, you know, like so it. it's we're getting revved up. Very cool. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Anytime. All right. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.